VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. Live from the Trump Kim Summit in Hanoi. With divided government, what are the political realities? The president is increasingly frustrated. I want to try to cut through the noise. Politically, this is devastating. Sound on with Kevin Cirilli. The insiders, the influencers, the insights. It is no secret that I care a lot about the consumers. There are real questions about big tech. We still have more leverage to use with the tariffs. I think we could do with a little less drama from the White House. This is Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg Radio. Happy Friday. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Bloomberg News Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. We're broadcasting from inside of the Hilton of Hanoi in central uh, Hanoi here in Vietnam. We've been here all week covering the second summit between President Trump and North Korean leader Kim Jong-un. But that, of course, was cut down early simply because, well, President Trump says he couldn't get the deal he wanted. He accused the North Koreans of having to want all sanctions lifted in exchange for denuclearization. President Trump is long gone from here now. He's back in the United States. Kim Jong-un remains. He's set to depart from Hanoi later this morning back on that uh, 60-hour train ride back to get to to, uh, North Korea, Pyongyang. Uh, the Chinese are helping to to transport him. Uh, he's been meeting here in the past 24 hours since President Trump has left with various Vietnamese <coughs> officials and, and touring sites uh, here in Vietnam. Meanwhile, back in the United States, President Trump uh, dealing with new political controversies. We're going to break down all of that uh, and the new political realities as we head into this post-Trump Kim summit uh, after a very busy geopolitical week. Derek Wallbank is senior editor for Bloomberg Breaking News in Asia. He, he just started over there. Previously, he was in the Washington Bureau. He's with me for the hour here in Hanoi with me all week. We've had a week. We've had a week. We've yeah. had a week. And Josh Green is national correspondent for Bloomberg Business Week and the author of the number one New York Times bestseller, Devil's Bargain, Steve Bannon, Donald Trump, and the Storming of the Presidency. Uh, Josh, you're in Washington, D.C., I believe, right? I am. Good to be with you guys. Great to, uh, great to have you. And coming up, uh, we're going to check in with Congressman Lee Zeldin, a Republican from New York. He's a member of the House Foreign Affairs Committee, as well as the Financial Services Committee. So he's really in the, the eye of the storm. Derek, let's begin here. Wow. President Trump, no major news in terms of the fallout from having no deal. But here in Hanoi, it's it it feels almost like it's it's back to normal and and life moves on without a, a, a deal. It's totally back to normal. Yeah, they're they're tearing down all of the propaganda posters about uh, Hanoi City for Peace, which were, I mean, were everywhere here. This this city had geared up 
like this was the Super Bowl. Uh, they, they, this city was very well aware that the eyes of the entire world were upon them, and they were doing everything that they could to try and reintroduce Vietnam to the world, reintroduce Hanoi to the world. And look, yeah, we were sitting there, and it ended just uh, just quickly. I mean, we you know we sent out that we sent out a, a a red headline on the Bloomberg terminal. If 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 you if you've ever seen this, this is, this is as big as it gets, right? Mm-hmm. It's a stop the presses moment for Bloomberg, and there were sixteen of them. Wow, sixteen of them. Um, we sent out this thing that said, "The summit is in question. Schedules changed." Yeah. And you could see, Kev, you could see markets die. I want to get into the economic realities of this uh, this historic Trump-Kim summit. Historic maybe for the wrong reasons and, and later in the program. Josh Green, that's the lay of the land here in Hanoi. But back in Washington, D.C., President Trump facing a much different reality following that New York Times report that really broke uh, just you know hours after he had landed that Trump ordered officials to give Jared Kushner a security clearance, and now House Democrats are demanding information from the White House about these security clearances. Mind you, I mean, this has been a foreign policy geopolitics week for us here on, on Sound On. Uh, while we were in Hanoi, Jared Kushner was, was traveling in the Middle East and, and meeting with King uh, uh, Mohammed bin Salman of, of, of Saudi Arabia. So now there's scrutiny, a new scrutiny on President Trump. Yeah, I mean, it's almost being here in D.C. while you guys are on the other side of the world, it's almost like I'm living uh, in a different hemisphere, um, not just <laughs> geographically, but in terms of, of the news and what it's been about. Um, for all intents and purposes, in my world, in Washington, D.C. politics, the Hanoi summit may as well not even have existed. So exactly. dominated was the news this week by Michael Cohen's testimony and by the latest you know, unfolding scandals from the Bush administration today with with the Kushner security clearance one uh, and, and and really some of the uh, leftover battles, I think, from Cohen's testimony, where you see House Democrats, particularly on the oversight committee, um, using Cohen's testimony as a kind of launching off point to demand more information from the administration. Now, just this afternoon, uh, Kushner's security clearance and the story behind it became the latest example of that. Elijah Cummings, House Oversight Committee chairman, uh, demanded the White House turn over information about that. It doesn't sound as if the White House is going to. And they so we, not- may be, we may be headed for a subpoena fight, to, to, which would even further uh, you know, kind of minimize any attention uh, that, that there never really was to the summit in Hanoi. Josh Green is national correspondent for Bloomberg Businessweek and author of the Number one New York Times bestseller, Devil's Bargain. Uh, Derek Walbank, also with me, senior editor for Bloomberg Breaking News uh, in Asia. Derek's here with me in Hanoi. This would be, should Chairman Cummings uh, use subpoena power to subpoena folks uh, to to get to the bottom of this, really the the strongest flexing of the political muscle yet uh, of, of Democrats since they've taken the uh, taken back the the majority in the House of Representatives uh, in terms of subpoena power. I've interviewed a lot of Democrats who have threatened to do so. But this issue of the security clearances, Josh, uh, as has dominated the the political zeitgeist for the past day or so uh, or since The New York Times broke that report. This would be incredibly aggressive. And then you have Michael Cohen. And that's what was so interesting to me, Josh, about this week was here, even the rumblings uh, uh, of, of the foreign press, obviously of, of, of the, the, 
the American press has been, are we here for denuclearization or are we here because President Trump was, was looking for some type of, of, of win, if any, existed to take some of the attention off of his problems back home? No? Well, sir, I mean, certainly the impression here among most, I, I'd say among all Democrats and many of the Republicans that I've spoken to this week was precisely that, which is Trump recognizes that you know a legislative path forward is probably closed with Democrats controlling the House, uh, wanting and needing to look presidential and strong uh, in arranging this summit with Kim, which would provide Trump with what he most loves, the kind of uh, pageantry and global stage in which he can uh, you know strike a deal, be a center of attention, that sort of thing. And, and, and one of the kind of troll moves from Democrats was to schedule this Cohen hearing right in the middle uh, of Trump's big summit, which of course was no coincidence. It was meant to overshadow, and at least in the U.S. certainly did overshadow uh, Trump's meeting with Hanoi. And I think the fact that uh, the summit ended in a kind of an abrupt failure just helped to uh, amplify the fact that at least in the U.S. political context, um, the real gravity in politics these days is Congress, and it's focused on the Trump investigation. Yeah, exactly. And if that wasn't enough, if Michael Cohen wasn't enough, if uh, the the security clearance clearances wasn't enough, if the Trump Kim summit 2.0 wasn't enough, let us not forget uh, that there were other developments as well. The Fed chair testified this week on the economy. You've got Vice President Pence uh, dealing with Venezuela. It was really remarkable, Derek Wallbank, who is senior editor for Bloomberg Breaking News in Asia, and China's influence here, we were talking about this off air, China's influence here uh, in Vietnam and, and really the shadow that it casts over this whole week was truly felt because at China, obviously their importance in the, in the region uh, with North Korea, but the U.S.-China trade relationship very much kind of a, this is the latest flashpoint of it. And just within uh, the last 24 hours, we've got this, this story that the Huawei extradition case has begun, which has only widened not just the rift between China and the U.S., but also China and Canada. Meanwhile, if that wasn't enough, uh, Bloomberg reporting uh, that the president is hungry for a deal. He's got the zeal for a deal, as it was put to me yesterday, uh, but because he, with China. And so I, I guess what do you make of, I mean, you monitor all of these moving crossing headlines, but the Huawei situation now with this, 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 uh, this Canadian rift. Oh, yeah, absolutely, Kev. I mean, look, China in this part of the world, and, and, <clears throat> and we're pretty close to China here, right? We're about, if you, if you drove two hours north, you'd hit the Chinese border. Okay. Um, China has this sort of like gravitational pull uh, and things orbit around it. I mean, you, you've got some countries that don't make sense on Chinese time zone that get onto Chinese time zone in order to be in better shape with them. Um, this Huawei case is overhanging a lot of stuff right now. This is a firm that China is incredibly proud of. It's almost like a national identity kind of pride in Huawei and what it's been able to do and that it's gone from not much to being a global industry leader uh, in technology in a, a very short amount of time. The, the, uh, the chief the, financial officer. The, the CFO yeah. uh, of, of, of Huawei is, was arrested in, uh, in Vancouver um, 
after the U.S. After the, U- yeah. after, after the U.S. Want, wanted her arrested, they they have they are they are alleging a whole slew of things related to competition, and the U.S. wants an extradition. So Canada, um, if the U.S. requests it, Canada has to do it, right? Exactly. And that's the deal, and that's always been the deal. But this puts Canada in a really weird spot, and so here we are. We've big, big legal drama taking place with major geopolitical risk in a country where, let's be honest, Canada, uh, you can't just you know say it and it happens. It's an independent judiciary. Derek Walbank, senior editor for Bloomberg Breaking News in Asia. Uh, Josh Green, national correspondent for Bloomberg Businessweek, author of the number one New York Times bestseller, Devil's Bargain. They're with me for the hour. Coming up, Congressman Lee Zeldin, Republican from New York. Uh, I'm Kevin Cirilli. You're from Hanoi. You're listening to Bloomberg Radio. Global news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business app, and at TikTok on Twitter. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. It is indeed 17 past the hour. Let's get you caught up on markets. It was a risk-on session in the U.S. after the latest data on Chinese manufacturing seemed to mitigate some concern over a slower global economy at the same time we had uh, improving prospects for a deal on u.s china trade at the end of the day the dow was up four tenths of one percent the s p 500 better by about seven tenths of one percent and the nasdaq composite gained about eight tenths of one percent long-term interest rates were up the 10-year treasury last quoted in new york just under 2.76 percent many of the financial stocks were the beneficiaries given the fact that now we've got a, a slightly steeper yield curve 22 basis points in that 2 to 10 year spread. We've got Amazon picking up nearly 2%. That was after the Wall Street Journal said the company is planning to open dozens of grocery stores in the U.S. Reaction in shares of Kroger, they were down 4%. Tesla picked down or rather fell nearly 8% on skepticism over the company's plan to deliver a $35,000 Model S. CEO Elon Musk saying the company probably won't post a profit in Q1, although he did say second quarter profitability is likely. I'm Doug Krisner. That's your Bloomberg Business Flash. Now back to a special edition of Sound On with Kevin Cirilli from Hanoi, Vietnam. Thanks, Doug. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Bloomberg News Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg TV and Radio. We're broadcasting from Hanoi, covering all week the Trump-Kim summit and the fallout from it, which is why I'm so grateful that Congressman Lee Zeldin, Republican from New York, a member of the House Foreign Affairs Committee as well as the House Financial Services Committee, he's back in Washington, joins us on the telephone line. Congressman, I know you're pressed for time, so I appreciate you calling in. Uh, how would you grade President Trump's uh, performance in this week uh, in Hanoi? Well, I guess if we're rating it based off of uh, leaving Vietnam with a, a signed verifiable agreement for uh, total denuclearization, uh, that would uh, um, obviously be uh, coming in far under uh, hopes and, and expectations. But at the same time, uh, what I wouldn't want to see is to cut a deal just to cut a deal. I know the United States uh, wants to, to reach a deal here for denuclearization of the Korean Peninsula. I also know, and I believe strongly, that the North Koreans want sanctions relief even more. They want a deal even more than we do. Uh, so rather than cutting a bad deal, uh, walking away this time is better uh, than the, uh, the alternative. The other thing that comes to mind is 1986, Ronald Reagan 
is in negotiations with Mikhail Gorbachev. Uh, he is not getting the deal that he's looking for. Walks a year later, uh, we end up with uh, an agreement that ends up really exceeding many people's uh, best expectations and and uh, and hope. Uh, and we see the end of the Cold War. So, uh, you know, what, this as far as this particular week goes, it's you know it's unfortunate that we can't be talking about. Uh, a signed, verifiable agreement, achieving all of our goals. Right. Uh, but then at the same time, I'm, I'm, I'm also thrilled that we're not agreeing to a bad deal either. Congressman uh, um, uh, Lee Zeldin, a Republican from uh, New York, a member of the House Foreign uh, Affairs Committee, as well as on the House Financial Services Committee, calling in. I've got two more questions for you. I know you're pressed uh, for time. What did you make uh, of, of the president's tone, particularly when it came to Otto Warmbier, uh, his Warmbier's family, of course, Otto Warmbier has passed away uh, since his release. He was a college student who was sentenced to 15 years of hard labor after North Korea found him guilty of crimes against the state. Uh, that was a very, you know, dramatic American uh, loss. Uh, what did you make of the president's tone on that, as well as Otto Warmbier's family's rebuke of, of the president's tone uh, from the presser earlier this week? Yeah, I... I would personally be holding Kim Jong-un accountable for uh, a whole host of human rights violations taking place in that country, uh, and that includes the the death of Otto Wambier. And if Kim Jong-un is stating a position that he was not aware of that death happening, uh, that, that definitely isn't by far the end of that conversation. I mean, the follow-up questions that I would have if I was sitting there with Kim Jong-un would be about who is responsible, what's the status of that investigation, when, is, when are those people going to be brought to justice. Uh, so for me personally, while I hold Kim Jong-un uh, personally responsible for the human rights violations in this country, including Otto's death, uh, at the same time, I, I wouldn't, yeah, you know, even if I was inclined to take Kim Jong-un's word on, on his story, uh, you still need to press him on an investigation and justice uh, so that was uh, that was something that I, I would have taken a a, a pretty different approach on, uh, and then for Otto's family, it, it highlights their need for uh, for closure, for justice, uh, for those uh, who are responsible to be held accountable, and it's good that they they spoke up, and and the United States did a, a good job bringing a few of uh, a few Americans who are being held in North Korea to bring them home. Uh, that was fantastic. Um, you know, this unfortunately uh, is not the right way to to write the next chapter of of that story. As far as the what was a a great return of of yeah. Americans, and unfortunately, uh, a a return of uh, deceased Otto Wambier and and really a demand amongst the American people, and especially the Wambier family, for justice. Congressman Lee Zeldin, a Republican from New York, a member of the House Foreign Affairs Committee and Financial Services uh, Committees, also an Iraq War veteran. We appreciate your service. We appreciate your time. I know you've got to run. Thank you for checking in with us. I'll catch up with you back when I'm in Washington, D.C. Also with us uh, in Washington, D.C., holding down the fort is Josh Green, national correspondent for Bloomberg Business Week and author of the New York Times bestseller, seller, Devil's Bargain. Great book. One of the best books written about Trump world that I've read, uh, Josh. Uh, and Derek Walbank, senior editor for Bloomberg Breaking News in Asia. 
he's with me here. Uh, quickly, Josh, we have less than a minute until we've got to we got to cut to break. Uh, what? Where does where does President Trump? How does President Trump head in now? Uh, we just heard from Congressman Zeldin from criticism uh, about this Otto Warmbier situation from the right, not just the left, but from the right. Well, I'm not sure there's any avoiding it. I mean, he's been you know, lambasted by Republicans and Democrats, and Trump has done uh, really the only thing I think he can do in this situation was to put out a tweet uh, claiming he was misunderstood. I don't think he was misunderstood, but I do think yeah. he realizes that uh, the, the way he dealt with that subject was problematic, exactly. and it's something he wants to back away from. Josh stays, uh, uh, Derek stays, I stay, we're in Hanoi. Uh, and remember, you can check out the Apple, uh, you can check out our podcast on iTunes, Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business app. I'm Kevin Cirilli, you're listening to Sound On. This is Bloomberg. Success is more than a destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's dedication, it's fortitude, and it's the work, passion, and grit inside of us that comes before all recognition. That's what Stiefel has been doing for over 130 years, and it's why Stiefel is one of the fastest-growing wealth management firms in the country. And Stiefel goes beyond traditional wealth management to offer you a full suite of banking services, direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises, and a leading middle market investment bank. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel has built a company and culture unlike any firm on Wall Street. Because success is the drive it takes to keep pushing. It's the passion to keep investing. It's the best of each of us, made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Find a financial advisor at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel, Nicholas & Company, Incorporated. Member SIPC and NYSE. From the Bloomberg Newsroom in New York, I'm Bob Moon. A day after he declared North Korea's dictator was not involved and would not have allowed the torture of a young American who was returned to the U.S. in a vegetative state, President Donald Trump now insists his remarks were misinterpreted. Ending their summit, Trump said he took Kim Jong-un at his word that he was unaware of alleged mistreatment during the young man's 17 months of captivity. Otto Warmbier died at the age of 22 soon after his return in 2017. His parents say no excuses can change that Kim and his evil regime are responsible for the death of their son. On Twitter today, Trump attacked, quote, the previous administration, saying Warmbier was taken on their watch. Lawyers for former Trump campaign chairman Paul Manafort are asking a judge in Virginia for leniency ahead of a sentencing hearing next week. Manafort is to be sentenced next Thursday after being convicted last summer of eight financial crimes. Global News, 24 hours a day, on air and at TikTok on Twitter, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Bob Moon. This is Bloomberg. This is Sound On with Kevin Cirilli, live from the Trump-Kim Nuclear Summit in Hanoi on Bloomberg Radio. Welcome back, everybody. We made it to Friday. Actually, where I am, it's Saturday, 5.31 a.m., Saturday local time in Hanoi, central, uh, central Hanoi, Vietnam, where I am broadcasting from inside of the Hilton in downtown Hanoi, uh, a city that played host to the President Trump's second summit with North Korea leader Kim Jong-un. The president has since returned back to the United States. Kim Jong-un, the uh, dictator of North Korea, is set to depart here 
to get in a 40-hour train ride. A 40-hour train ride. I'm, I can't even fathom having to get back on a 16-hour flight back to the back to Dulles uh, after I uh, take a connection through uh, Hong Kong. But 40 hours stuck in a train. I don't know why. Uh, joining us back in Washington, D.C., we've been talking about all of the latest uh, from the fallout of the summit as well as to where the president heads from here after the Michael Cohen testimony. Josh Green, he's national correspondent for Bloomberg Businessweek and author of the New York Times bestseller Devil's Bargain, Steve Bannon, Donald Trump, and the Storming of the Presidency. Truly my favorite Trump book that was written this era. It's, it's, a, it's a master class in showing us all young guns how it's done. Uh, and then, of course, Derek Walbank. He is senior editor for Bloomberg Breaking News in Asia. He's here with me inside of the Hilton. Thanks for getting up early. I don't know what time zone either of us are in, but uh, what a week we've had. Uh, and, and Josh, let me start with you just quickly because I was checking up on my email, and within the last hour I got a statement that was put out uh, to reporters from Lanny Davis, an attorney for Michael Cohen. Uh, and he's responding to President Trump's attacks uh, against Cohen on Twitter, which uh, the president was tweeting out early Friday morning. I guess he's not jet-lagged. Uh, he said, according to, to this Davis, or President Trump was rather criticizing Michael Cohen. Uh, and one of the things he tweeted was, wow, just revealed that Michael Cohen wrote a love letter to Trump manuscript for a new book that he was pushing, written and submitted long after Charlottesville and Helsinki, his phony reasons for going rogue book is exact opposite of his fake testimony which is now a lie that's for president trump that shot let's chase it with lanny davis he just got the statement quote sometime in early 2018 michael cohen was offered a substantial advance for a proposal regarding a book uh, mr cohen ultimately elected not to proceed in other words potus has lied yet again but what's the difference between 9,000 or 9,001 lies all right josh the bannering from trump world michael cohen world what does it really matter in terms of the Mueller investigation, if at all? Well, I think what's going on here is an extension of what we saw Republicans trying to do during Michael Cohen's testimony, uh, and that is not so much to defend Trump and his behavior as to undermine and attack Cohen's character, which is probably a little easier with somebody like Cohen than it might be with an ordinary witness. So the context of the fight <laughs> over this over Ding. this book, I, I, I say that I say that only because <laughs> Cohen is is an admitted uh, liar is going to be going to jail for 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 perjury. Um, yep. But the context of the book is interesting because Trump is essentially using uh, Cohen's uh, flip-flop to drive home this point uh, or at least raise questions about how reliable a narrator Michael Cohen really is. The book in question was something that Cohen proposed a couple of years ago back when he was on Team Trump. And by all accounts, or at least according to the descriptions I've read, it is a you know, laudatory, glowing account of Trump and his leadership and all that. So I think what Trump is essentially trying to do is say, let's get a hold of this manuscript if in fact it exists, because the portrait, the glowing portrait it would presumably portray of Trump would stand in sharp contrast I mean, to, to the charges that we heard, liar, racist, criminal, so on in Congress this week. It's dizzying to, to see all of these like data points from the Cohen investigation, the back and forth with the tweets. Is President Trump in any more legal risk as a result of what of the fallout of Michael Cohen's testimony uh, this Friday as he heads into to the weekend than he than he was before and if so how 
I don't know. I think I think that whatever Cohen said in testimony this week, uh, I'm going to assume that Robert Mueller and his investigators, as well as the investigators in the Southern District of New York, already knew. I doubt that Cohen was offering new information to Congress. So in that sense, I don't know that Trump or his inner circle are in any additional legal jeopardy. I think the difference here is that this is all happening publicly, whereas in the past it had it. And so one effect of Cohen's testimony is that he implicated people like uh, the uh, Trump CFO, Alan Weiselberg, publicly, along with some other Trump insiders who can now expect to be called before the House Oversight Committee and have these things litigated publicly in a way that I think could be damaging uh, to Trump and to the White House from a public relations standpoint, not necessarily a legal standpoint. I don't think that there's much Trump can do to protect from a legal standpoint now with all these investigations going on, but certainly he can seek to undermine Cohen's credibility in the same way that he's attacked Robert Mueller's in, in the credibility of his investigators. It's just, it's just, it's, it, it truly is another world over here, uh, simply as as the the dominating stories uh, out of Washington, just so heavily focused on on all of the controversy surrounding the president. And in fact, uh, House uh, uh, House Majority Leader uh, Kevin McCarthy he criticized the Democrats for having President Trump's former fixer Michael Cohen testify on Capitol Hill. Uh, Derek, in terms of what the, these competing storylines, uh, did you get the sense while you were over here that? that the president was, was had other things on his mind or that he was aware of, of all of the controversies back home? Oh, yeah, 100%, Kevin. And keep in mind, um, it, it's important to remember at any given point that uh, Donald Trump was elected after all of the um, Republican focus on Hillary Clinton. And, and indeed, a lot of the scrutiny of Trump right now is how much he had to do with that and how much Russia had to do with that. And so uh, Trump understands the idea that legal risk begets... Uh, political risk. And he said flat out that he watched a little bit of the Cohen stuff uh, <laughs> at, at his at his closing press conference, and it, which which is crazy. Um, he was he's sitting here, biggest thing in the world on foreign affairs, and he's t listening to a hearing 12 yeah. hours away. Much more on that, much more from Republican reaction. I'm Kevin Cirilli. You're listening to Sound On. This is Bloomberg. Global News, 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business App, and at TikTok on Twitter. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. From Bloomberg World Headquarters in New York, I'm Doug Krisner. 45 minutes past the hour, let's get you caught up on markets. We had a risk-on day in the States after the latest reading on manufacturing in China kind of mitigated concern over the global outlook. We also had improved prospects of a U.S.-China trade deal. At the end of the day, the Dow was up four-tenths of one percent. We also had higher long-term interest rates. The 10-year Treasury last quoted at a yield of 275. So with that back up in rates, financial shares benefited and helped to send the S&P 500 higher by seven-tenths of one percent. In the NASDAQ market, the composite index was up more than eight-tenths of one percent. Gap shares jumped more than 16% after the company said it's splitting into two independent publicly traded companies. AMC Entertainment gained more than 14% after delivering stunning fourth quarter results, fueled in part 
by a record year at the North American box office. Amazon jumped nearly 2% after the Wall Street Journal said the company's planning to open dozens of grocery stores in the U.S. Kroger on that news was down more than 4% and Tesla weaker by nearly 8%. CEO Elon Musk said the company probably won't post a profit in the first quarter as previously expected. Even so, Mr. Musk said second quarter profitability is likely. You're caught up on markets. Back to a special edition of Sound On with Kevin Cirilli, live from Hanoi, Vietnam. The idea that we could not postpone, that we could not show the rest of the world that America stands together to denuclearize North Korea, I think that was another misstep by this majority. That, that was House Majority Leader Kevin McCarthy uh, speaking earlier about the Trump-Kim summit, and in particular, uh, the, the just the dizzying array of news stories this week uh, from the Michael Cohen testimony. You've got uh, potentially a breakthrough with U.S.-China trade talks. Meanwhile, the Canadians are moving ahead with the U.S. request to continue an extradition case against one of China's top businesses, Huawei, uh, their top business. I don't think there's a bigger one. Uh, uh, an extradition case. I mean, Really a dizzying display. If all that wasn't enough, uh, the New York Times, Maggie Haberman, scooping this week about how uh, the president was advocating personally for Jared Kushner to receive his surveillance uh, national security clearance. Meanwhile, Jared, for his part, was over in the Middle East negotiating with MBS of Saudi Arabia. It was a nonstop, relentless week. I'm still in Hanoi. I haven't even been able to get back to the States. I'm leaving in a couple of hours. Uh, and Kim Jong-un has, has headed back to North Korea uh, for a 60-hour train ride that the Chinese have helped to orchestrate. Josh Green is national correspondent for Bloomberg Businessweek. He's the author, you've probably already read it, of the number one New York Times bestseller, Devil's Bargain. It was the Bannon Trump book. Great book. Derek, he's with us in Washington, D.C. Derek Wallbank is senior editor for Bloomberg Breaking News in Asia. He's with me here in Hanoi. And Derek... I, 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 we were talking earlier about the political lens of this. We just heard from Kevin McCarthy, who said, you know, why was Michael Cohen testifying? I had asked you earlier, and I want to get more of your thoughts on just the, the Cohen cloud that was cast over this and the Mueller investigation cloud that has been cast over the United States uh, at this now in the post-world summit. You know, Kev, I, I think I think it was overhanging. I mean, look, it was totally bizarre uh, for for Donald Trump at a at a press conference after meeting Kim Jong Un to admit that walking into that meeting, he was thinking about something that wasn't the meeting. He actually, if you were looking at his tweets walking into the meeting, he was tweeting about a couple of things that had nothing to do with North Korea, with Kim Jong-un, with the state of the nuclear world, anything like that. It was an absolutely bar bizarre thing. But i got to tell you, Kev, one of the most bizarre things that I saw this entire week, this entire week, if you haven't seen it, it's because it, it went viral in South Korea. Um, oh, God. There is a photo of a reporter, and I won't name names oh, here, but God. Kevin Cirilli knows him personally, <laughs> who showed up to a, to a press conference that was called on, like, in fairness, 10 minutes notice or 15 minutes notice with North Korean senior leaders. And this dude, TV reporter, great guy, <laughs> in, a in a blazer in Under Armour shorts. Uh, you know, I, I, okay, the backstory on this, for what it's worth, uh, <laughs> is 
there where it's after midnight. I'm doing live shots. I, I my pants were in overnight laundry. I had just gone for a run earlier. I was waiting for my pants to be completed. I pack very light when I do these trips so that I don't have to check a bag. Next thing I know, we get word that the North Koreans are going to be giving a press conference. I don't really care. I mean, I, this is where I'm, you know, the TV side, I still have some learning to do because I was just like, you know what? Get to that press conference. Uh, uh, Josh Green, uh, who was always best dressed, probably the best dressed reporter in Washington. Uh, he's national correspondent for Bloomberg Businessweek. Thanks for embarrassing me, Derek. Uh, I got you, man. I got you. Uh but uh, let's go back to the, the politics uh, for a minute in terms of where President Trump goes from here uh, with the Mueller investigation. You talk to everyone involved in, in the Mueller investigation world. What's your what's your sense, really, of where we're headed from here? Well, everyone is waiting with bated breath for, for Mueller to drop the report. And there was there was some scuttlebutt a week or so ago that it might be coming this week. Um, we heard no, it, it, it's not. And so now the kind of, uh, you know, the, the wait for Mueller is back on. At some point in the fairly near future, the expectation is that that report is going to drop, uh, not to the public, to to uh, Attorney General William Barr. Uh, you know, and at that point, it looks like there's going to be a big fight about what, whether or how soon the public gets to see what's in that report. And that, that is that really the... Um, you know, 800-pound gorilla hanging over all of U.S. politics, uh, yeah. an even bigger story than Cohen's testimony, than the Hanoi summit and everything else going on. That's, that's, that's the main event that everybody's waiting for, the Super Bowl of Trump's uh, third year, if you will. And Josh, I mean, and no guarantees. I mean, we, we think we're going to get this investigation wrapped up by the end of the year, but it, it feels like that deadline's been pushed and pushed back. Uh, uh, the Democrats. I was I was rereading Nancy, Speaker Nancy Pelosi's interview with Rolling Stone from a from a couple of uh, weeks back, and it, it's fascinating to watch how Democrats are really united, but it, it, but there's nuance in their in their unity, especially when it comes to something like Bob Mueller. You know, the issue of impeachment is something that there are lawmakers out there who are calling for impeachment. There are progressive donors who have, have organized for there to be impeachment. Uh, but Speaker Pelosi is holding firm, and she's she said we got to wait until the Mueller investigation. Do you think she can, can hold to that? Well, so far, I, I, I think what she has arranged is a kind of temporary detente between the, you know, aggressive liberals, especially members of the new Democratic House class who are ready to get going with impeachment right away, and the rest of her caucus, which uh, either think it's premature before the Mueller report comes out, or if they're from a purple or red district, may not be eager to go galloping off in that direction anyway. Um, this is something that, that, that Pelosi's been able to hold together until now. I think one effect of the Mueller report's release, if in fact it is released to the public, is that it's going to put enormous pressure on Nancy Pelosi to move forward with uh, impeachment proceedings. And, and, and that, that, that's going to be tough. We don't know what's in the report. Uh, I'm going to go out on a limb and assume that it's not a wholesale uh, vindication of, uh, of President Trump. It's not going to you know, give him a clean slate. And therefore, I think a lot of Democrats are going to see cause and reason um, to proceed with, with, with impeachment hearings. And it's something that Democrats are going to have to wrestle with, uh, whether based on Mueller's findings that, that there really does turn out to be momentum in, in kind of the broad mainstream of the Democratic Party and the Democratic electorate, the grassroots voters, to go forward with this, uh, or, or whether it remains something that's pretty much contained 
uh, among the more uh, progressive and aggressive members of the House as it is right now. And it's not just it's not just the issue of impeachment. It's also on policy. And Josh, you've been really following the rise of Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio Cortez, uh, a, a Democrat. I like why is, she's a Democrat from New York. And Mike, Vice President Mike Pence is over at CPAC, which kicked off, uh, I believe, yesterday. But he was speaking at CPAC. <clears throat> Take a listen to what the vice president had to say about the Green New Deal. The only thing green about the so-called Green New Deal is how much green it's going to cost taxpayers if these people ever pass it into law. So, Josh, uh, Republicans are trying to turn AOC into the face of the Democratic Party. Yeah, they really have. You know, it's fascinating. I was I was over at the Trump Hotel for a book party uh, a couple of months ago and then a dinner uh, and and also uh, had a drink with a group of Republican strategists I saw there in the lobby. And, uh, you know, this was right after the midterm election. Is this Corey's book? And it, uh, no, it was Stephen Moore's book, the, oh, the right, okay. uh, Trumponomics. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, and yeah. yet at every Republican gathering, the topic of conversation was not Nancy Pelosi, uh, who was in the midst of a, of a speaker's race then. It was not Hillary Clinton, the favorite subject um, uh, you know, of Republican angst going back, going back decades. Uh, it was, it was uh, AOC, as she, is, as she is known in Washington. And uh, you know, she has just sort of taken a central place in the conservative imagination as anybody who turns on Fox News or goes to CPAC this week is going to see. And it's interesting. I, it, she, she has had an outsized effect not only on the political debate among Democrats. You know, all of a sudden the 2020 right. presidential race is focused on her Green New Deal, uh, but also among Republicans who for various reasons just seem to be fixated on her. Uh, and, and I think view her in her, her political extremity, the fact that she's a Democratic Socialist, as a, a, a cudgel with which they can go after other more mainstream Democrats, especially the emerging 2020 presidential field. Josh Green, national correspondent for Bloomberg Businessweek and uh, New York Times bestselling author of De The Devil's Bargain, uh, joining us for the hour. Uh, also, Derek Wellbank here with me in Hanoi, senior editor for Bloomberg Breaking News in Asia. Uh, quickly, what was your, like, quick, quick, what was your highlight for the week? Uh, Kev, I think uh, I think my absolute highlight is, is, you know, look, this was the world stage. It came here, and th my biggest, my biggest highlight Three questions the American press, including Bloomberg's Margaret Talov, put to Kim Jong-un and got answers yeah. on the world stage. And then North Korea held a press conference afterwards. It's showing there's a shift in North Korea. Wow. For the first time, North Korea very obviously and evidently cares what people think. All right. Big thanks to Matt Burley, uh, who helped organize this, Reggie Basile, Cal Carolyn O'Brien. Uh, and Bob Bragg in New York, and of course, Christine Barada, our producer. That's it for me in, Hanoi, in Hanoi. I'm Kevin Cirilli, heading back to the States in just a few hours. Check us out on iTunes. You're listening to Sound On. This is Bloomberg. You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. This is where projects come to life. 
Our showrooms are designed to inspire with the latest products from top brands, curated in an inviting, hands-on environment, and a team of industry experts to support your project. We'll be there to make sure everything goes as planned, from product selection to delivery coordination. At Ferguson Bath, Kitchen, and Lighting Gallery, your project is our priority. Find great brands like Kohler at your local showroom or visit us online at ferguson.com build.